This episode of Science Moab was partially sponsored by the Nature Conservancy, protecting Utah's lands and waters and delivering solutions that benefit nature and people on the Colorado River and the Colorado Plateau. Learn more at nature.org slash Utah. This is Science Moab, a show exploring the science happening in Southeast Utah and the Colorado Plateau. I'm Alex Benigorth, and today we're talking about the Native American Tribes Upholding Restoration and Education, or NATURE program, a science and conservation leadership program for Indigenous college students in the Four Corners region. The NATURE program is sponsored by the Nature Conservancy and hosted at their Canyonlands Research Center in Southeast Utah. In the summer of 2023, seven Native college students from diverse tribal backgrounds, universities, and majors spent seven weeks in Southeast Utah and Southwest Colorado. They worked with Indigenous knowledge holders and scientists, Western scientists, and program mentors to learn and teach about the science, conservation, and knowledge of this region, and to conduct their own original capstone research projects. Today, we're talking with two of these students. James Johanna Burns and Shundine Smith. Nawa Kwaha Hatso Amtoya, James Johanna Burns Akan, Koigu Masape Chawi. Hello, my name is James Johanna Burns. I am enrolled with the Kiowa tribe, but on my mother's side, I also am Caddo and Pawnee. I originally come from Oklahoma, but I grew up in Tucson, Arizona, and I go to school at Fort Lewis College here in Durango, Colorado. I am majoring in environmental science and minoring in environmental policy, and I'm really excited to be here. Hi, my name is Shandeen Smith. Uh, Shandeen Smith, Yanishia, Tachin Yanishli, Kithachini Vashishin, Tuahana Dashiche, Maideshkijni Dashanele. I am from Farmington, New Mexico, and I'm currently at San Juan College, and I am studying for my associates in biology. And it's great to meet you guys, and I am from the Navajo Nation tribe. Awesome. Thank you both. We are here today to talk with you both about your participation in the nature program. And so what initially drew you to the nature program? Why did you apply? I know what really drew me to it was that it was an internship for Native students and getting that opportunity to meet with other Native students who are in a similar field as mine was something that just really caught my attention. And the more I read into it, I was like, oh, okay, so this is something that I should do. And it seems like it'd be really beneficial. And even just getting to know other Native students across the nation and just getting to interact and hear their perspectives on the environment was really interesting. And I think that's what drew me the most to the nature program. What drew me towards the nature program was my professor, Professor John Reese at San Juan College, was letting students know about research opportunities that were available in the Four Corners area. And of course, I was the only Indigenous student within the class at the time. And so he had brought the nature program up and he was just pointing straight at me, which is like, I expect you to apply. And I was just, at first I was like, you don't tell me what to do. But after a while, I really started reading more about the nature program and I started to just lean more towards applying. And so I did. Can you tell me more about the nature program? What was that experience like for you? What were those seven weeks like for you? For me, it was definitely eye-opening getting to travel around the Four Corners region. It was always go, go, go. There was something we were doing essentially every day. 
I really enjoyed that experience and getting to just do something every day, something different, getting to learn new skills that I can incorporate into my academic and professional career is was something that I just really held dear. But I really enjoyed traveling around, learning different things, getting to meet all these amazing, wonderful experts, uh, learning about things that I didn't even know existed, like the bio crust, had no idea about that. And then I ended up doing my project on that. Overall, the experience was amazing. I loved it, having a mix of both fieldwork and in-class type of learning. It was a really good blend for me. I will cherish those memories. The seven weeks for me were pretty eye-opening. Eye-opening for me being like what I can do and how much more I am capable of than I realize. At the beginning of the program, I had the longboard accident and At first, I I was really upset thinking that I was going to be very limited physically, but it turns out that my determination and my wanting to be there completely overrided the physical incapabilities that I thought I had learning face-to-face with other scientists and even like other indigenous elders where I got to sit down with and learn so much from them. It was overall just really, really great and eye-opening and I really recommend it. I'd love it if each of you could tell me more about your capstone research project. You came up with the idea on your own, you developed the project, and then you ultimately presented it in a symposium at the end of the program. So can can each of you tell me about the topic that you chose to research and why you chose that topic and kind of how you went about researching that topic? My capstone project was done on how ant colonies impact biocrust and dryland ecosystems. And what initially started that entire idea was a simple question that I had while we were out at the dugout ranch, which is just how burrowing insects impact biocrust. And no one could really give me an answer. And even doing some research on my own, I couldn't find a lot of studies done, except one that was done in China, but it wasn't really specific to the Four Corners area. Even when talking to my academic advisor, She had no idea on it either and how uh, those impacts affect biocrust. Really, the only thing that people could give me was just theories, ideas, hypotheticals, but no like actual solid research. Getting all that information together and doing the research was really eye-opening as I got to learn so much about biocrust, which was a brand new topic for me. I have not heard of biocrust before joining the nature program. That sparked an entire research thing within me that I just had to try and figure out the answer to. Along with that, I have my own cultural significance with ants, as that's where my creation story come from. My people, we came from ants. Incorporating that knowledge and that respect that I have for ants, along with wanting to do the science and do the research, and just essentially trying to incorporate the traditional knowledge from my tribe with Western science and just merging those was not difficult, but it wasn't easy. It was something that I kind of had to work on and try to figure out the best way to merge those two together from knowledge and then actually wanting to do that research and not wanting to disrupt the environment that I was testing. It was really fun. I didn't get the exact answers I wanted. I found that ants do affect the stability of biocrust, but there was a few things that led me to thinking that There could potentially be a relationship between ant colonies and biocrusts that kind of just grow with age to where they form a symbiotic relationship. 
I think with more research, I could potentially figure out if that's actually true or if there are more variables that come into play with that. And Shandine, I want to hear about your project in just a second. But James, can you tell us a little more about how did you actually test for these interactions between insects or ants and biocrusts? And do you have any plans for future research? Yeah, I essentially looked at the physical aspects of the soil. So I ran soil aggregate stability test or a SAS test. And I looked at different pieces of soil. So I would choose a location that had a anthill and that had biocrust around it because I noticed that biocrust didn't really form within a certain amount of distance between the anthill. I initially started as wanting to test the biocrust and how it holds together when you dunk it in water, essentially. And so biocrust got a six on the soil aggregate stability test, which is the highest it could get. Um, it's really stable, really holds on to water and the soil around it. And then I did a gradient from the biocrust to the top of the anthill. And I found that the top and the side of the anthill, it wasn't stable. It fell apart in water as soon as you put it in. But when you got to the base, the number, I think, jumped from a two to a four or a five. And so it was a really high jump. And so that kind of just shows that there is a bit of a gradient from the anthill to biocrust on the soil stability and how much water it actually holds. No future plans as of yet. It is something that I do hope I'm able to go back to and do more research on if given the opportunity. There's a bunch of other things I would love to test. I would definitely like to look at the time differences because I noticed that some of the younger or what seemed to be younger ant colonies there was a giant uh, ring that biocrust wouldn't grow in. But some of the older ant colonies had biocrust growing right up to the top of the anthill. So that's kind of what led me to thinking that there's some relationship there that's more than what's just being shown. Given the opportunity, I would definitely love to test that out a bit more. Shandine, can we hear more about your capstone project? My capstone project is initially on the legacy and solutions of the abandoned uranium mines on and around the Navajo Nation. And the way that I went about with this project in terms of research methods was basically literature review and interviews. What had inspired me to doing this capstone project specifically was seeing all these videos and different documentaries about the abandoned uranium mines on the Navajo Nation and how detrimental effect it has on residents and natives people living near and on the reservation. So the idea of we have to do something about the uranium mines came to mind. And then I came across something that said cell walls of fungi can break down uranium or like radioactive waste. So that was like immediately like, I want to learn more about this. And so that's what initially brought up the whole motivation and inspiration of what drove the capsule project it ties into like my family history as well. My paternal grandfather was a uranium mine worker and he was a uranium mine worker for about 17 years. Just hearing the interviews from my father and my aunt about what he did as a uranium miner and then the detrimental health effects of after and what they saw after up until like he passed away was really the full driving force of what made me want to continue researching about it. Yeah, so what did you end up learning from all your research? 
I did so much reading, so much research, so much <laughs> endless nights of just reading. And while it was very amazing and interesting to see everything compiled together and seeing it as one complete thing, but it was also very saddening when I would read the testimonies and the claims and the stories and how similar they are and how they continue to be similar to how my grandfather passed away. With that aside, you can't just delve into these things and then just be left with like these sad feelings. I also delved into like what is being done about it today. What basically I found out was that the abandoned uranium mines aren't as abandoned as I initially thought, is that there are multiple organizations and government organizations that are working to remediating and cleaning up these sites. So that's what really brought peace to me. And then also what I think would be a solution to the abandoned uranium mines, such as like using microremediation and bacterial remediation, and also maybe incorporating those bacterial remediations with biocrust to mitigate the spread of radioactive waste from natural rainfall or snow. And do you have any plans to continue any of this research? Oh, yeah, definitely. It continues to be my main motivator and what I want to study towards. And also like from the whole program of meeting with all these USGS scientists, it's inspired me to become a biogeochemist as well. So. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, and actively working to, on these lands and remediating the lands on and around the mines. Students in the nature program have talked about this idea of walking in two worlds or two-eyed seeing, this kind of experience or way of living. On the one hand, you have your indigenous culture and identity and background. You kind of see the world through that one eye. And then you might also see the world through this lens of science and some of the things that you're learning at school. I was wondering if either of you feel like you have experiences like this if there's anything from the nature program or other life experiences that have kind of shaped how you go about living in this way or thinking about the world in this way. I definitely get that experience even here at school and in my courses and learning a lot about Western science and how to go about doing different scientific methods to get your research that you need. But growing up, I mean, hearing the traditions and things that my family taught me on how to view nature and just how to interact with it always comes into play when I'm in class or discussing case studies or going over research, everything like that. It is a bit difficult as a lot of the things and how I perceive it, not everyone else gets that. How I view things, other people don't. They see it as, oh, this plant, like I'm just going to take all of it and use that to do what research I need. But I've always been taught that not only is it just a plant, it's something that's living, it's something that's alive and you need to pay that respect to it. So whether you give an offering and even if you do harvest it, you don't take all of it. You take just what you need. Some of my classes, we do talk about that traditional knowledge that a lot of tribal people have and how to incorporate that. But it's different because none of my professors, they're not indigenous. All their knowledge comes from their readings. They don't have any actual experience with it or how to use it. They can talk about it, but they haven't lived it. Hearing them try to explain it, it's kind of off-putting in a way. 
even on my final projects, I just did one on food sovereignty yesterday on how to incorporate that more onto the Fort Lewis campus. And I definitely had to break down just how a lot of people perceive food sovereignty and try to include that um, indigenous aspect behind it and how if you want to enact food sovereignty on a local level, you have to decolonize that perspective of it and incorporate those traditional teachings that a lot of indigenous people have. And so you have that respect for the food that you're eating, you're growing, or even harvesting, and you're able to use it a lot more than just a food source or something to eat. For me, in the ter- in terms of like walking in two worlds, I've had a lot of time to sit and think about it because I don't do well with cognitive dissonance, <laughs> especially going towards uh, nuclear chemistry. There's a lot of talk, especially around the Los Alamos labs. It's like one of the best places where you could learn uh, nuclear chemistry is at the Los Alamos labs, but with also with like everything that's around Los Alamos labs too. I have that, that cognitive dissonance where I've like, I want to learn to try and help, but I have to go through like a certain institution that adds to the very thing that I'm trying to clean up or I'm trying to mitigate against the native people or the Navajo people on the Navajo nation specifically. Even still today, I don't really know the answer to it. I'm still trying to go based on like a case by case, one day at a time. How do I feel cognitively about the situation? How can I still honor my ancestors and my indigenous traditions and be okay with that while also trying to learn Western science? The best thing for me, especially if I get caught in a bind where I don't feel okay with what I'm doing or what my future plans are, is that I sit with my family or I sit with elders and I talk with them and I say, I I tell them my concerns and I'm like, is this really what would be best for our people? Was this really what would be best for our land? It's just getting different perspectives from your traditions and your culture. Now that you've been away from the program for a couple months for like a semester, is there anything else you just want to talk about things that you learned, things that are kind of pushing you in certain directions from that time in the nature program? I think the one biggest memory that really sticks out to me was when we were all sitting down with uh, Arnold Clifford and he was saying how we, we should share our culture and our traditions with other people outside of our culture. And at first that tilted my head because growing up, I was always told by my elders, these traditions and these ceremonies should always be kept secret and should be kept away because they were precious. So they would always tell me like never to talk about it with other people. But then when I heard Arnold talk about it in a way, we should share it. We should be able to talk about it with other people because that's how we keep it alive. And that's kind of like where it clicked in me, where it's like, you know what? He's right. We can keep it within our respective tribes, but we should still be able to share it with others, get other perspectives. Also, just talking with everybody that I can to like about the nature program. And how great it is. Like it, it taught me so much. It opened my eyes and I made such great friends and I met so many amazing people and I got to have such great conversations with everybody. It was just overall amazing. I have one more question for each of you. So our listeners of the podcast and radio show, I think are fairly diverse, but they all share this common interest in just wanting to learn more about the Colorado Plateau through science and through through different ways of knowing. Would each of you want to leave our listeners with one piece of advice, one piece of wisdom, just some sort of closing words that you'd like to leave our listeners with? It can be anything. 
take the opportunities as they come up. I mean, there's so many different ways to get involved and to get that knowledge that you seek, but you can't do it by just sitting on your butt. So you have to actually get out there and take those opportunities as they come up because you never know. It could just be something amazing that's just waiting for you. Don't be afraid to talk with your elders and don't be afraid to sit there for hours listening to them. It takes a long time, but don't be afraid of it. You'll learn so much and it's so great. Well, thank you both so much. This has been so great. Thank you for taking some time out of finals week to talk with us. This was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it is fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> to learn more or listen to other Science Moab episodes, visit sciencemoab.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Our theme music is by Jeremy Spaulding, and the show is produced by Peggy Hodgkins, Christina Young, and KZMU. If you love Science Moab, let us know. Leave a rating on Spotify or a review on iTunes, and consider supporting Science Moab by donating to the podcast at sciencemoab.org. This programming is unique to Moab, Utah, and your support makes it possible.